This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 9.04. We've had on and off clouds for the morning. The forecast today is calling for mostly sunny skies and a high near 90. Currently 72 degrees in Binghamton. The dew point is at 67 in the humid range. The National Weather Service is advising this last Monday of the meteorological summer is going to be a hot one with the temperatures in Binghamton expected to be around 90. But combined with higher dew point temperatures, again, the temperature will feel more like the the lower 90s, increasing the risk of heat-related illness. For people headed outside of Syracuse for the state fair, there is a heat advisory in effect from noon until 7 p.m., with the heat index values expected to be in the mid-90s. Residents are advised to limit time outdoors in the heat of the day, take frequent breaks, and remain hydrated. The struggle to stay cool is going to be greater for people making the drive an hour north on Interstate 81 to enjoy the great New York State Fair this afternoon. The National Weather Service at Hancock field says the feels like temperature could be five degrees hotter than Binghamton for areas like Syracuse, Ithaca, Watkins Glen, Rome, and Utica. Much of the fairground is on paved surfaces, but visitors to the fair yesterday afternoon where the temperatures were in the mid to upper 80s said they found it helpful to take frequent breaks in the many air-conditioned buildings on the grounds. Tomorrow, the weather concern turns to possible thunderstorms, especially in the afternoon through early evening for the southern tier. Forecasters say a few of the thunderstorms could be severe with gusty winds and locally heavy rainfall. WMBF First News Time, 906. An Endicott man will be sentenced in November after pleading guilty in the shooting of a man in the chest with a compound bow. Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak says 20-year-old Carson Vanko pleaded guilty last week to the violent felony of attempted assault in the July 26th attack that reportedly happened during a dispute at the abandoned Vestal Hills Country Club. The Broome County Sheriff's Office announced that they believed that the site had been used by 23-year-old Baso Vanavonksa of Binghamton as a place to stockpile weapons and other property that authorities suspected was stolen. Vanavonksa was also found to be in possession of around 24 grams of methamphetamine. In the original news release, the sheriff's office said they believed Vanco, 21-year-old Savannah Perry of Endicott, who was also charged, and Vanavonksa knew each other and that the two Endicott men conspired to ambush the Binghamton man. Vanvonko shot Vanavosa in the chest. Vanco and Perry were each charged with felony assault and conspiracy. Vanavonksa was charged with weapon possession and criminal possession of a controlled substance. Vanco is expected to be sentenced to eight years in New York State prison, followed by five years post-release supervision. The news release from the district attorney's office did not update the status of the cases against Perry or Vanavonksa. WMBF News Time 907. A Syracuse man admits he broke into the Vestal Elks Lodge and stole an automatic teller machine almost a year ago. According to the office of Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak, 40-year-old Philip Jackson pleaded guilty in Broome County Court to felony burglary and will be sentenced in December. According to the news release from the DA, Jackson broke into the Vestal Elks Lodge on the Vestal Parkway West and stole the ATM containing $6,100. Footage from the surveillance cameras 
was used to identify Jackson. Authorities say the Syracuse man had been arrested by New York State Police in the Albany area on unrelated charges. Korchak's office says Jackson will receive a sentence of two to four years in New York State prison when he is scheduled to be sentenced in December. A portion of Route 17C is being named in memory of a Johnson City patrolman who lost his life in the line of duty. Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo and State Senator Fred Akshar have announced a section of Route 17C in the village is being renamed the Patrolman David D.W. Smith Memorial Highway. The officer was killed in 2014 when he responded to a call about a distraught man near Wilson Hospital and was shot by the subject. Smith served in the Johnson City Police Department for over 18 years and had been awarded a Certificate of Valor in 2002 for rescuing a boy from a burning building. The formal unveiling of the signage on Route 17C is planned for the fall. While students at Binghamton University are getting all settled in and have moved back in for the fall semester, their compatriots to the north and east are just getting back to work. It's welcome back week for students at SUNY Broome Community College. It's been less than 10 years since on-campus housing became available at BCC, and the student village has been a choice for hundreds of students from outside the immediate Binghamton area, especially since its opening. SUNY Broome had its ninth annual move-in day for the residential hall over the weekend, launching events for the Welcome Week for residential and commuter students it together. The week will include information booths across the campus off Upper Front Street, a campus-wide scavenger hunt, welcome back barbecue, and an outdoor movie screening on the first Friday of the semester. Classes begin today on the campus in the town of Dickinson. WMBF Newstime 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast... There is a heat advisory that will go into effect at noon today for Tompkins County. For the rest of us, mostly sunny, a high near 90, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 70. Tomorrow, an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Some storms could produce gusty winds and heavy rain, a high in the mid-80s. Wednesday, mostly sunny, a slight chance of showers for the morning, a high in the upper 70s to around 80. Thursday, sunny, a high in the low to mid 70s, and Friday, sunny, a high near 80. Currently 72 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Today is Monday, August 29th, 2022. Now that your Welcome to the working week. Another big week on WMBF. Indeed, welcome to the working week. Bob Joseph working it with you on WNBF because... In 2022, a work ethic is important. The phone number to call, 607-772-1290. We begin with DJ in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Happy Monday. You know, nobody's going to know how 
good Bob Joseph looked in his Speedo because I did not see him at the beach bash. That beach bash was happening, Bob. It was rocking around the clock. Uh, yeah, I was yeah, not nobody. able to make it there. I, I had a very busy weekend. Scheduling conflicts uh, ensued, but I'm, yeah. I'm told that the beach bash was um, just A number one. A number one. Yeah, well, Endicott's too far to drive to Cold Park anyway. You don't want to go there, Bob. You know, it was great, man. I was I was surprised. But thing is, what disappointed me was when I got home, right, and, and Brooke Warpus, who I watch every night on Fox 40, she said, or somebody did, that there were s'mores. I missed the s'mores. I figured the paddle boat was 10 or 20 bucks. I, I didn't know it was free. They need more signs. I'm not complaining. It was great. Free paddle boat. S'mores, fried Oreos. The woman doing the fried Oreos had a lanyard on it said, I love Jesus. Oh, my gosh. That was the best part. Anyway, it was great. The Beach Bash. I want to encourage Jerry, uh, not Jerry Cram, Broom County Executive, which is Jason Garner. I want to, I want to, um, not to do that because it reminds me of his name. I want to encourage him to have more, have more than just one Beach Bash a year. You think it costs a lot? Sure. How much do you think it costs, Bob? Oh, I have no idea. I just know it costs a lot. Who knows how much it costs? Next time next time uh, the county executive is on the program, I can ask. <laughs> there you go. The country band, I'm not in the country. You know, I'm not a double HWK fan, uh, but they were good. And the second band, one way or another, they did good versions of rock songs. The second band was really good, although I don't listen to secular music. They were a tight musical group. Uh, Porch Fest, I was disappointed, but a uh, beach bash was the thing to go to. Make sure everybody next year you get the beach bash and and bug Bob Joseph so he comes. What and, uh, what seemed to be the problem with the Porch Fest? I don't know. Well, my friend was supposed to play. He was in a band uh, called the Grown Ups. I, I watch him on YouTube. But his sons had said to him, "Dad, it's my ninth birthday. I want to go to Legoland." Paul's probably listening. He listens, but he doesn't call him. So he took his son to Legoland. So I didn't. I was going to sit in with those guys, and you know, I got a Jackson with a tremolo bar. Wicked fast, play wicked fast, and I was going to sit in with those guys when they do blues, do some blues riffs. But Paul went to Legoland. So. I like uh, Beard of Bees. Beard of Bobby Bees. Uh, yeah. Well, oh my gosh! With all the same people. Powerful, powerful, and uh, with the one guy. And I can't think of his name, but the one guy oh, with his voice every every time Who? that with the with the with the black hair or the, or Ralph with the beret. Uh, it might be Ralph. Every time every time he does some of those tunes, the ACDC tunes, it yeah. makes makes it makes my vocal cords like. Ooh, I mean, it hurts. I'm I'm not even saying anything. I don't know how he does it, and he's been doing it well, for years. It's remarkable. That's Ralph. It's called a rip-off voice. He does a rip-off voice of uh, of uh, Bon Scott and Brian Johnson from ACDC, the two singers from ACDC. Yeah, it's called. It's good. It, I mean, it sounds pretty cool. But that's Robbie Perez. Me and Scott Dickerson grew up with him, and I know all they're great from here. So they're great. Like, the energy, they're very good. Yeah, the, really the energy good. they have. I, I saw them uh, a little over a week ago down in Susquehanna. They played in Susquehanna Ooh, at a oh, at a barn. I didn't know. Down at the okay. barn. I gotta start saying Hana. 
Susquehanna. Well, you know, yes. Rob, one of the best bands, what was their name? Oh, gosh. Kiss my mind whenever I'm talking to you, I lose the... Oh, metal, metal, something. One of the best metal bands ever here was... Um, oh, gosh. So I'm a thirsty. It's me and Catherine. I don't drink, but I, I encourage them to come into cross over into Christian rock. I try to talk to them. Yeah, people should stop anyway. drinking. I know. Yeah. They love to drink all their beer and then drive in their big 3,000-pound bullet and try to hit DJ when he's crossing the street. What's up with that? Come on, people. No, people should just stop drinking. They really should. But then can you imagine what would happen to the local economy? Take, the local economy <laughs> would take a $3 billion hit if, say, starting tonight, you, people stopped yeah. drinking. Right. Of course people would close, brother. Forget about <laughs> State it. Street, Court Street. Most of the streets in Broome County would be shut down. Now when I hang up, I'm going to think of that metal band that Robbie Perez played in years ago before he was ever. Well, if you think of it, send me an email. All right, I will. Thank you, DJ. Okay. 918 WNBF, WNBF.com. So did you go to the Porch Fest? Did you go to the Beach Bash? Did you go to a picnic? That's what I wound up doing. I went to a picnic, and I just got enjoying the picnic. So... The other thing, and I'm not going to be critical because that's not my style, I'm just going to say that sometimes when the temperature gets so hot, sometimes you don't want to necessarily go to a place where there will be crowds. I mean, even the beach bash, yes, it was on a beach and it was a bash, but maybe maybe some people don't like crowds. I, I'm not big on crowds, I'll go to crowded places sometimes when when it's necessary from a news standpoint or eh, sometimes you know crowds yeah you know I, I like places I've often said if the uh, strawberry festival down in Oswego if they would do uh, a special day of the Strawberry Festival, say like Sunday. The day have the main Strawberry Festival on Saturday, where you get millions of people f- showing up in the village of Owego, and then have a special Strawberry Festival the following day, and limit the crowd to fifty people at a time. Give everybody a wristband, and I would go to that one. You know, limited attendance. And some people say, well, why is that? Because you're special? No, I'm no more special than anyone. I just want an opportunity to go to some of these things. Same with um, Speedy Fest. Have a, uh, what do they call it? Have a, um, a special day for Speedy Fest, like on Monday, where they limit the attendance to uh, 50 people at Otsenego Park. Again, just for people who are not big on the crowds. I think I think that would work. I would I would support that plan. Nine twenty WNBF with um, phone calls at six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Gary from the West Side. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. Glad you had a good weekend. Uh, I did also. I did a uh, there's a local guy that does bus trips. Uh, out of Binghamton. Can I mention who it is, or you'd rather not? Was that Tim and Mary? 
That's the one. Yeah, Tom Tim and, and yeah. <laughs> I've never been on one of their trips, but they've been doing they've been doing trips down to the games for a long time, haven't they? Twenty five years, and I tell you what, it's first class all the way. Tom Tapino, local guy, uh, super nice, and they take care of everything. They make the trip just fantastic. They give you all the instructions, tell you where, you know, what's good food and how to get in and just things to get around. But I was down at the Mets old timers game and it was a, it was a good weekend. It was a, a fun experience. It was a long day, but uh, if anybody's interested, you know, they go to basketball, hockey, football, and uh, it's just a good experience. Well, maybe so, I'll try that. You know, years ago, the, this radio station, when we, Sadly, we're in the middle of carrying Yankees games. Um, I say sadly because now I'm not a Yankees fan. I was then. But um, we we used to routinely um, sponsor bus trips down to Yankees games, and it was a lot of fun. I We would rotate, say I might host a bus, Tony Russell would host a bus, Roger Neal would host a bus or whatever, maybe Don Daniels. This is going way back, way back, Mr. Mike. So those were fun trips, and sometimes we we would take maybe two or three busloads of people, WNBF listeners, down to Yankees games, and, oh, we had fun. Oh, yeah. You know, you were younger then, and uh, so it's a little easier to ride. That's the only issue is just sitting on a bus for four hours. But they do stop halfway on the way down. Do they? Where do they stop? Down in... um, the Gap. Yeah, Delaware Water Gap. That's where, I think that's typically where we usually stopped. I think there was a McDonald's so we could, you know, if we wanted to indulge in a Big Mac and feel presidential, we would we would get 10 Big yeah, Macs. They don't do that because they're kind of on a schedule, so they'll stop at the rest there. If you got to go to the bathroom, you can go, even though they have a bathroom on a bus, but you can go if you're, you know, too shy or whatever and just go in the... the By the way, I mean, it's, it's nobody's, nobody's business. I've never been a fan you know, maybe maybe it's just me. I've never been a fan of the bathrooms on buses or airplanes. Is that just me? Uh, no, everybody does not like it's to like, go in there. But you know, I mean, we're, we're in, I know you got to do what you got to do, but it's the 21st century. Isn't there some way to, you know, take take the bathroom facilities on planes and buses and probably trains too? Can't can't we at least? advance the technology and the beauty of bathrooms into the 21st century would it would be that difficult any train i've been on uh actually they do have better bathrooms it's just bigger right so everything is a space well that's the other thing you know i'm claustrophobic yeah it's like you're going into a closet and it's well you know I'm just saying, you know, I you not around back there too, right? Well, and that's that's the other thing, which you know, especially on a bus, especially if you're driving or riding on a, a Pennsylvania highway. I, I don't know what it is about Pennsylvania highways, but maybe maybe they do need Doctor Oz. <laughs> oh, Doctor with his crudite. Have you ever had crudite? I don't know what that is. See, Doctor Oz the. Food? Apparently, I don't know what it is either. Let me, oh. let me look it up. Oh, crudité. Huh? Yeah, it, oh, it is French, and so I'm looking it up now. So, Doctor Oz, who wants people in Pennsylvania to choose him over the more 
I was going to say, no. Nah. I'm trying to find the right word to talk about the Democratic candidate. He's, uh, he's, he's more like us, we'll just say. Dr. Oz, as far as I can tell, is nothing like you or I. You don't like Dr. Oz. I got that impression. But that's where we're heading in politics. It's I like know. It, well, it's not a it's, personality. No, it's not a question, do I like Dr. Oz? I'm sure he's a pleasant fella. But, um, yes, to, to your point, the point you were about to make is that's the way we're headed with politics. That's what I don't like. I, it, right. I want to clarify. Some people are under a misimpression that I don't like say dr oz or i don't like the former guy nothing could be further from the truth i would personally enjoy spending an afternoon at roundtop or at otsnago park with either the former guy or dr oz because again i believe completely separate from their worldview their their politics which everybody's entitled to their their worldview and their opinions i believe they're all both of them are good fellows and it, it would be fun to spend an afternoon hanging out with both of them say at otsnango park and you know having moxie diet moxie whatever and i'm just saying this thing about dr oz he thought that he would be clever by shopping for ingredients for crudite and talking about how much they cost first of all the guy doesn't live in pennsylvania so there's one problem i mean if you're a new jersey resident you're running for u.s senate in pennsylvania that that raises eyebrows the other thing is in this day and age with high inflation and gas prices that at one point were five dollars a gallon who in pennsylvania especially the loyal republican members the backbone of pennsylvania's um gop who's going to be shopping for crudite so this is the description crudite of course yes you you properly guessed it's french appetizers consisting of sliced or whole raw vegetables which are typically dipped in a vinaigrette or other dipping sauce examples of crudite include celery sticks carrot sticks cucumber sticks bell pepper strips broccoli cauliflower fennel baby corn and asparagus spears now i know a lot of people who are republicans in pennsylvania they don't eat crudite. I'm not saying they don't eat vegetables from time to time. They don't do crudite, and they probably, until a month ago, didn't even know the word existed. I'm sure if it's French, it's probably delicious, but most of the stuff you mentioned on that list, I, I don't eat. But uh, well, I don't I, either. I, I, I mean, I call me... In vinaigrette, yeah. I can eat them. Well, I'll I'll tell you, what what I do on occasion, say if if I'm at a gathering and somebody brought a vegetable platter, by the way, when I go to a gathering, I'll bring something else. I'm highly unlikely to bring a a vegetable platter, but anyway, uh, if somebody brings it and there are celery sticks or carrot sticks and, say, ranch dipping sauce, for example, eh, I'll indulge a little bit of that, but I, I would never call it crudite. But, you know, that's Dr. Oz trying to appeal to a certain brand of Pennsylvania Republican. And he just might win, too. He might. He might. And if that's the case, who knows? He might be on the program because we're a neighboring state. Pennsylvania is basically Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and then Pennsylvania in between. Well, that's the thing. See, Pennsylvania is sort of like 
those two big cities you mentioned, especially Philadelphia. Philadelphia is very much like New York City. Pittsburgh is more working class. You have um, more industrial workers or retired people who worked at factories out in western Pennsylvania. But most of the state is pretty much like Shenango County, Tioga County, Delaware County. It's it's basically it's it's people who work hard. Generally, have good people. very good, good people. people work ethic. Oh, yeah. Work ethic. They oh. love their country, yeah. but I'm not sure how many of them have had crudite in the last ten years. But you know, be that as it may, <laughs> and Doctor Oz, you know, to I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe if he's elected, he'll be the it'll be the first time that the Senate has had any member named Oz. Probably, yeah. Yeah, well, I think there might be another. Like, what about Oprah, right? She might be uh, running one day. Like, I, I just try to think of the people who are popular and, like, actors. Right? I mean, back in the day, who would have ever thought Ronald Reagan would have been? That's, but that was the beginning of it. Exactly. Exactly. And again, I no. I don't think he was that bad of a president myself. Well, I didn't I think he I was did. that bad of a radio announcer. I mean, he, he started his career at WHO in Des Moines. He was a great radio announcer. He did great. Was he sports or he news? He did. Uh, I think generally sports. sports. Right? I don't, yeah. Because yeah, he used I to so. he used to do fake sports on WHO. It's before they had a network hookup. So he uh, would do. He would recreate play-by-play of baseball games based on the information that came across a ticker. So he would get the essence of, wow. of what was going on. So talk about creative. I couldn't... All good imagination yeah. he had to have. Yeah, so he basically was doing, I I believe, and I don't know that any recordings exist, but from what I've, I've read, that, that took a special talent, and I don't know, I could try to do it, say if... For some reason, we lost the feed to the Rumble Ponies game. Like during COVID or something like yeah. that, where they stopped. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Okay, well, that's another thing yeah. where they, some... You could have come on and given us the play-by-play. Yeah, well, some radio announcers actually stayed at home, and they they watched, say, a video feed from the ballpark, say, if it was an away game. And they would do a radio play-by-play based on what they were seeing on the on the live feed on on their monitor at home or at the station. So it can be done, and I, I'm sure if I had to do it, I could do it. But I'm certain that I wouldn't be in the same league as Ronald Reagan. Well, you never know. And well, that might lead you, know, you right it's... into politics. You know, the mayor of Binghamton and state senator, oh. and maybe the sheriff, and you know. Did you see the video music? Speaking speaking of talent, speaking of talent, did you see the video music award? No, I don't watch award shows. No, neither do I. But I, I was thinking, you were talking about high-profile celebrities. Okay. What if Taylor Swift... Now, Taylor Swift still has a lot of music... And a lot of, from an entertainment standpoint, she still has a lot to give in terms of her creativity with music. But if, if Taylor Swift decided that she wanted to run for president, I bet she could be elected. She's pretty popular. She seems like a great person, what if, too, but great people don't make good politicians, no, right? No, but, yeah, based on what I've read, she seems 
level-headed. But again, who knows? I mean, we we don't know the truth. But what if Taylor Swift decided that she wants the Republican nomination for president in 2024? So it comes down to they have a crowded field again, like they did in 2016, where they had 30 or 40 people who wanted the nomination. What if Taylor Swift, by the way, I just had to look up her age, she could not run, as it turns out, in 2024, because she's, guess how old she is now? She wouldn't be old enough. She's only 32. But but say in 2028, if Taylor Swift wants to seek the Republican nomination to run for president, I would support that. I consider it because I think a woman should be president. And I'm not talking Hillary, but I'm talking a woman I think would be a great president. A talented woman. Better than a man. A A very talented woman. I mean, she has already proven her talent. She has won more video music awards than most people. I haven't won a single one. And uh, plus she has her new album coming out in just over a month. So I say that Taylor Swift should continue providing us with only the best music, but she also ought to consider about a run for president in 2028, because by then she will be 38 years old, so she'll be old enough. Here's another thing that I just found we out about Taylor Swift. Bob. We do need younger, right? We need, we need a younger president. We do. You know, come on. Oh, 70, you know, I mean, all right. Yeah, I'm not, I, I just can't. I'm not an ageist person because, look, I'm rapidly aging, as, as we all are, but I would strongly yeah. encourage the electorate to look to younger candidates going forward. But, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But do you know where Taylor Swift was born? Uh, I do not know. In the back? Eastern, Western United States. Eastern. Backwards? East, she, she, no. No, she apparently was born in the backyard of Boscov's, West Reading. Who knew? Who knew that Taylor Swift was born in West Reading, Pennsylvania, right near the global headquarters of Boscov's? Isn't Boscov's out there? It might be. Yeah. I don't think anything else is, but uh, it might be. Right. I, I used to drive around riding, and boy, that was tough getting around that, that little city. Uh, Binghamton's so much nicer. When we went down on that bus trip, Bob, it made me appreciate Binghamton so much. You know, no traffic. We got everything that New York City has except the traffic. It's fantastic. We're fortunate. We're fortunate. I appreciate your call. 9.35, we'll be taking more calls. What did you do over the weekend? Did you go to the Beach Bash? Did you go to see any of the bands over at Porch Fest? Did you do something else? Did you have a picnic? Did you go to the Video Music Awards in Newark? I believe... (laughs) Don't ask me why they would hold the Video Music Awards in Newark, but... Yeah, it must be all the other venues were already reserved. So anyway, what did you do over the weekend? Let me know, 607-772-1290. Or else, feel free to fire off an email to Bob at WNBF.com. Save on
WNBF Live at 9.38. Sandy in Fort Dickinson, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, we went to Polka Fest at Angle Park, and it was great. I love Jimmy Stir. They had a pretty good crowd. They had a lot of good food vendors there. Um, and a dance floor. There were people actually dancing. It was so humid. I've, I just tapped my toes. But anyway, uh, we sat up on a little knoll under a tree and there was a nice breeze and it was just a lovely afternoon. I just wanted to let everybody know what, what they missed. Oh, thank you. Uh, so Jimmy Stir was there. Yes. Yes. All and right. he's excellent. He's an excellent polka band. All right. Well, I saw him once on, have you ever heard of ABC News? They have a, uh, <laughs> well, uh-huh. of course you've heard of ABC News, but they uh-huh. have another program you may not have heard of. It runs early in the morning. It's called World News Now. Right. No, World oh, News okay. Now. It, it's oh. early, early morning. It's for people like me who apparently oh. have nothing better to do. Uh, occasionally I, I i don't anymore i used to watch news sometimes early in the morning but they they have world news now and what they do on fridays i think they still do it they've been doing this now for more than two decades they have a little feature as they wrap up the week it's called world news polka oh and jimmy stir actually did one of those uh, segments in, in the past, they've had different people do uh, World News Polka. William Shatner one time for some reason uh-huh. uh, from Star Wars, and um, who else? Well, they've had all sorts of of interesting people, uh, and yeah, Jimmy Stir did one of those World News Polka, and actually. I might play a clip. They probably they probably would let us play a clip if I can find one on YouTube because we're an ABC station and I'll uh I'll, I'll look for it and try to play uh one of the clips of World News Polka uh a little bit later this hour cuz it's fun. It's sort of yeah. the the thing with that newscast, it's sort of informal because let's face it, in the middle of the night who's actually watching news? You know, usually, I I assume, inmates and uh, janitors or something. You know, people or, you know, people at restaurants that are 24-hour restaurants or whatever. They don't have a big audience, so they can be a little less formal than, say, World News Tonight with David Muir. But I'll I'll see if I can find a clip for that because it's... uh, it's a funny little thing they do. It's you know, it's, sometimes they put a lot of effort into it. But uh, yeah, Jimmy Stir did one. I appreciate well, you calling in. Well, I know Billy Bill Flynn loves Jimmy Stir, and he promotes him a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your call. I'm glad you had a good weekend. I did. Thank you. Nine forty-two at News Radio WNBF. Let's take another call. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Hey there. What's up? Well, it's Monday morning, so yeah, I you know, know it's another another big week of, of fun and frolic here at the radio station. So I'm. Oh yeah. Say uh, which is the oldest school in Binghamton? I think uh, now my sister and my two brothers. And I went, 
went to Theodore Roosevelt, and my two daughters did. But but isn't isn't Binghamton Central one of the oldest schools? Because it might be the oldest. Because I got a notification that that they either they want to close Roosevelt because it's deteriorated or what I don't know. I was just wondering what the oldest school was. Well, I will say this: Central High School opened in 2015. So Central, the main part of the school, the original part, opened on September 7, 1915. So it is 107 years old. Oh. And the interesting thing about that, I wrote a story about Binghamton Central, along with Union Endicott and the old Johnson City High School, all three of those high schools opened on the same day in 1915. Isn't that incredible? Right. That's when this area was booming and zooming. We had Endicott Johnson factories. We had lots of other factories. So there were thousands and thousands of people coming into the Triple Cities. So they opened three high schools on the same day in September 1915. I think in the 50s, if I'm not mistaken. That seems about right, but I, I'm not sure. I, I would have to do some research. So, aside. And, and Calvin College, the old Calvin College school was a fire trap, and uh, us kids knew it. You're not talking about the one that they have now on Robinson Street. Iraq yeah, but not the current one, right? The the current Calvin Calvin Coolidge School is okay, right? Well, as far as I know, it is. But how come they don't keep up? Didn't keep up on Theodore Roosevelt. That's what I don't understand. Well, it's good to me on the outside, but 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 they say that it's deteriorating. Well, maybe they already made a decision without announcing it that they they plan to shut it down. Maybe, maybe they've known for years that they did not plan to keep it open much longer, so they've decided to defer some of the maintenance and decided not to do any any updating. Maybe it's been part of a secret plan. I got a letter in a mail saying that they want to close Woodward Wilson School, uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, I think Thomas Jefferson. I think there's another one, too. Oh, Horseman. Right. Well, they're not talking about closing all of them. Those are the schools that are under consideration. Apparently, the district is planning to close maybe one of them, not all of them. Well, it says here, it says the future of Theodore Roosevelt is the key aspect to the scenarios that are being considered to deteriorate the condition. <laughs> well, the problem with the schools right now, well, first of all, one one of the things that they have to deal with is declining enrollment. 
So the, the school district has fewer students now than in the past. So ultimately, the decision has to be made about what to do regarding the existing schools. Does it make sense to keep old buildings open when there are fewer students in the district? Or does it make more sense to close down one of the older schools and then try to save some money, maybe spiff up? some of the other schools and and make them in better shape and then use only the number of buildings you really need right now. Yeah, but so, yeah, well, why don't you take care of these schools? Well, maybe because they don't have the money. Maybe maybe the plan, as I said, maybe they, they secretly have plan to shut down one of the schools, and they decided, hey, we're not going to tell anybody till 2022 because nobody likes hearing about a school that is going to be closed. So maybe it was part of their secret plan in recent years, and they decided, yeah, we're not going to do much in terms of modernizing or making repair work at, at the school that we plan to shut down anyway. Did you ever think of that? I don't know. I... I think they should have taken care of these schools, Bob. I mean, schools are to learn, and I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand it. That Wilson's been there a long time. Yeah, well. And Horse Man's been there a long time. Well, we know that the Binghamton City School District doesn't want to provide information on programs like this. You remember years ago when the superintendent, the current one, and even her predecessor, they used to come on the program all the time. They used to like talking about the school district. Right. But they don't anymore. Now, it's all secret. They don't want information to be disseminated on popular radio programs. Yeah, but they they should talk about it. No, I don't think they think they have to because they think that they they've been designated to run the schools. All you have to do, well not you specifically, Bev, because you live in the town of Dickinson, so you don't pay Binghamton City school taxes, but they feel the the Binghamton property owners should pay thousands of dollars a year to run the schools, but they they should not know what's going on. That's the new philosophy not right, Bob. What do you mean it's not right? I mean, they should tell us what, what they're, you know, what's going on. I mean, I mean, after we're pay, paying taxes, we're paying their wages. Well, they look at it differently. They don't, they don't feel they need to be accountable on a program like this, where, where they would have to come in, say, with the school administration or school board representatives. They don't they don't take advantage of the opportunity to come on this program to let people know what they're doing. Yeah. Hey, you know, that's a trend. Have you noticed a trend how a lot of um, public officials no longer want accountability? I know that. I think it's a shame. It's a shame. When I was growing up, school district officials had accountability. They would answer questions. Yeah, I, I know that, but... Oh, well, you know, those were the days, my friend. I knew they would eventually end. It's 9.50. More calls coming up on this Monday morning. Bob Joseph, a true 
Voice of Reason for the People, 607-772-1290. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. Here it is, the World News Polka. And foreign wars, all the weather, all the scores. That's the World News Polka. Tapes that roll in way too slow. Stuff you saw on Koppel's show. That's the World News Polka. It's late at night, you're wide awake, and you're not wearing pants. So grab your World News Now mug and everybody dance. Hey! Have some fun, be a pal, every anchor guy and gal. And remember, this was broadcast on ABC News. And they did it every week at 325 in the morning. Tune in Monday and learn how to think inside the box. <laughs> okay. So apparently, according to YouTube, that was uh, broadcast in 1999, the World News Polka. And as far as I know, they're still doing it. I had a conversation with uh, Tom Pachano about this just a few days ago. And he was asking, do they still do it? And I said... Well, as far as I know, however, I must acknowledge I I just never have a chance to see it anymore, fortunately, because I'm not going to set my alarm clock for 325 on Friday morning just to see Barry Mitchell or whoever is doing it now, doing the world news polka. So this is the story, uh, Barry Mitchell came up with this. He posted this a few years ago. He said it started in January 1992 and he said the program, World News Now, featured gleefully sardonic wit and life-size cardboard cutouts filling in for vacationing anchors. An audience of shift workers, criminals, and new mothers take notice. And Barry Mitchell writes, my accordion and I have been part of the on-air family for almost the entire ride. So the affiliates were clamoring for this overnight program. So they did this, and one of the, uh, well, actually, the original team was Aaron Brown and Lisa McCree. So they had just an interesting presentation to begin with, and then at the end of the week, 
most networks used to, they, they rarely do it now because they think it's a tune-out, but most networks at the end of the week on their TV news programs would do a full credit roll so you could see the names of all the people who made the program possible. So not just the anchors, let's say on TV, if you have one or two anchors, yes, they become associated with the brand, but they're, in the end, not really the most important people. You've got a lot of people, technical people and other support people, who work to get the program on the air. Some of these network programs have several dozen people, maybe more than 100 people. So they do a credit roll, and so Barry Mitchell thought, oh, well, I'll come up with this thing called the World News Polka, and he did it, and it became a regular feature. Oh, here's the one that I was mentioning about uh, William Shatner. Not sure if I can find this, uh, if actually William Shatner shows up, because he did one version... All right. Well, William Shatner was on the on the, the featured uh, image for the video, but um, it's oh here's it's a montage. World news it's late at night. You're wide awake and you're not wearing pants. So grab your world news now, mug, and everybody dance. Have some fun, be a pal, every anchor guy, gal, to the world news poker. It <laughs> was William Shatner. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So they, oh, Weird Al. Like Al, do the world news polka. <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic. Anyway, so they had fun. That's back when fun was still legal on TV and radio. Now, in 2022, for the most part, fun is no longer allowed because of consolidation and other issues. So least we can have fun here on our Binghamton radio program. And we will have more fun as we continue on this Monday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 74 degrees at 10.04. The forecast for today, a hot one, especially for the end of August. Our temperatures should be in the upper 70s to lower 80s. We're projecting a high today near 90. Right now, the dew point is at 67. That's in the muggy range. So if we do hit that 90 degrees, it's going to feel more like the lower 90s. If you're headed up to the New York State Fair, Syracuse, It is going to be feeling even hotter. Could feel like the mid-90s down in Daga County as well as Tompkins County are going to be under a heat advisory starting at noon due to the hot temperatures and high humidity. A couple of Syracuse residents are facing numerous charges in Broome County after sheriff's deputies say they led authorities on a pursuit in a stolen vehicle through the city of Binghamton, town of Vestal, and back into Binghamton. The wild ride began when a sergeant noticed the vehicle that had been reported stolen in Syracuse, driving south on Upper Front Street in the town of Dickinson shortly before 4.30 in the morning on August 21st. The sheriff's office says the sergeant attempted to make a traffic stop on the stolen vehicle 
but it fled the scene. The officer gave chase. Once again, that was in the city of Binghamton, then into the town of Vestal, and then back into the city of Binghamton. And the pursuit was terminated due to the reckless driving of the stolen vehicle in that populous area. Short time later, the same sergeant came across a crash involving the stolen vehicle and another car at the intersection of Court and Water Streets in the city of Binghamton. The sheriff's office says the passenger in the stolen vehicle, 26-year-old Morgan Shoemaker, was uh, apprehended as he tried to flee on foot. 31-year-old Corey Murray was arrested a short time later. He was the driver. Authorities say the crash resulted in non-life-threatening injuries. Murray is charged with felony counts of reckless endangerment, criminal possession of stolen property, unlawfully fleeing a police officer in a motor vehicle, assault, and criminal possession of a controlled substance. He's also charged with misdemeanor and vehicle and traffic law counts of resisting arrest, reckless driving, speeding, leaving the scene of a personal injury accident, driving without a license, and inadequate muffler. Schoonmaker is charged with felony criminal possession of stolen property, felony criminal possession of a controlled substance, and misdemeanor resisting arrest. Broome County Sheriff's officials say an Endwell man was found with quantities of fentanyl and methamphetamine when they investigated a report of suspicious activity in a vehicle on East Main Street in the town of Union last Wednesday. According to the Sheriff's Office, authorities received a report at 7.30 p.m. August 24th of people in a vehicle who may be under the influence of narcotics in the area of 2105 East Main Street. Deputies say subsequent investigation revealed one of the occupants of the vehicle identified as 46-year-old Jeffrey Prettyman was in possession of quantities of fentanyl and meth, as well as packaging materials and scales commonly used to measure narcotics for sale. The authorities say Prettyman was taken into custody without incident. The other occupant of the vehicle was not identified in the sheriff's office news release, and there was no word if that person might also face charges in the future. Prettyman is charged with felony criminal possession of a controlled substance, misdemeanor criminal possession of a controlled substance, and two counts of misdemeanor criminally using drug paraphernalia. WMBF News Time 1007. A Binghamton man is charged with felony drunk driving and other counts after Broome County Sheriff's deputies responded to a report of a motorist driving erratically on Upper Court Street in the town of Kirkwood shortly after 11.30 p.m. August 18th. Authorities say 33-year-old Andrew Allen reportedly was swerving across the road, hitting curbs and road signs, and not maintaining speed. Deputies found Allen in the area of 584 Upper Court Street and say the Binghamton man showed signs of intoxication. The authorities say he did poorly on standardized field sobriety tests and was taken into custody for DWI. Allen was also cited for moving from a lane unsafely and leaving the scene of a property damage accident. He was ordered to appear in court at a later date. WMBF First News Time 1008. A portion of Route 17C is being named in memory of a Johnson City patrolman who lost his life in the line of duty. Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo and State Senator Fred Akshar have announced a section of Route 17C in the village is being renamed the Patrolman David D.W. Smith Memorial Highway. The officer was killed in 2014 when he responded to a call about a distraught man near Wilson Hospital and was shot by the subject. Smith served in the Johnson City Police Department for over 18 years and had been awarded a Certificate of Valor in 2002 for rescuing a boy from a burning building. The former formal unveiling of the signage on Route 17C is going to be held in the fall. WMBF News Time, 10.09. 
The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, again, a heat advisory will be going into effect in our listening area for Tompkins County starting at noon, and that will continue until 7 p.m. That's also going to be in place if you're going to the New York State Fair and outside of Syracuse that they're expecting hotter temperatures than us today. As for our forecast, sunny today, a high near 90. Partly cloudy tonight, a low around 70. Tomorrow, an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Some storms could produce gusty winds and heavy rain, a high in the mid-80s. Those showers and thunderstorms could continue into Tuesday night as well. Wednesday, just a slight chance of showers in the morning, mostly sunny and a high around 80. Thursday, sunny, a high in the low to mid-70s. And Friday, sunny, a high near 80. Currently, it's 74 in Binghamton. It's 1012, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. It's Monday morning, Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF. And coming up this hour, we'll be taking more phone calls. You can talk about what you did over the weekend, if you spent some time on the west side for Porch Fest, as so many people did on Sunday. Maybe you went to uh, Cole Park for the big beach bash, or maybe you just spent the weekend at home or went to a little picnic at a small park. That's what I did. I stayed away from the crowds, but we'll be talking about the weekend activities. You know, the summer is almost over. Maybe not officially, not according to the calendar, but look, kids will be going back to school and people will be focused on autumn activities. So before long, yeah, the summer of 2022 will be just a memory. Coming up on our program, we'll be speaking with the founder of Greenlight Networks, based in Rochester. Mark Murphy is a Binghamton native. He grew up on the west side, and he is uh, the founder, president, and CEO of Greenlight Networks. We will talk with Mark Murphy live, what they're doing now in New York State, and more specifically, what they're doing in the Binghamton area. Greenlight Networks. You've probably heard some news coverage already about the company. We'll get a status report from Mark Murphy coming right up on our Monday program. I'm Bob Joseph. We're live on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Some- on a Monday morning. This is Bob Joseph. We're joined now by the founder of Greenlight Networks, Mark Murphy, who joins us from the company's headquarters in Rochester. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. I really appreciate you having me on today. Well, I'm glad we have a chance to speak. 
And we'll talk about uh, Greenlight Networks uh, in depth in just a moment. First, though, a little bit about yourself. You're a Binghamton native. You grew up on the west side, so you're very familiar with uh, probably the uh, the, uh, general coverage area of WNBF and probably uh, a lot of our listeners even are a bit familiar with, with your background when you were growing up here in Binghamton. Yes, I, I used to uh, wake up in the mornings to uh, Joe Sobel's AccuWeather forecast, and um, and yeah, we've been. I grew up on the West Side, went to um, St. Thomas Aquinas Elementary School, St. Pat's, and then Seton. Uh, my family still is on the West Side, and um, among other parts of the six, I've got family on just about everywhere in the Greater Binghamton area, and it's great to uh, not only come down to see how we're. Per- progressing business-wise, but to be able to spend more time with family there. And I take it you must have spent some quality time at Rec Park. Did you ever play tennis at Rec Park? I did. I did. Our, uh, that, was our, that was our home court. That and, uh, and MacArthur were our two places that we would play. Yeah, good, good question. Well, next time you get to Binghamton, uh, maybe not this summer. They're still doing finishing touches on the new courts, the new tennis complex at Rec Park. There have been a, a few problems with the, the final surface, so they haven't been able to put this uh, tennis court complex in, into use at Rec Park. But once it's done, it looks to me as though it'll be um, a very nice complex, and I'm sure it'll be something that, uh, that you and your family will, will be able be able to admire probably I, I would think sometime next spring yeah the last time i was down there i saw that the surface hadn't been they, they had cleared out a lot of that but the surface hadn't been completed yet so uh yeah i look forward to seeing that and we had uh as i was listening to your show the talking about the porch fest we had a, a great turnout this past weekend and our we had our team there manning a uh a table and and we had a whole lot of people signing up and ordering our service, which was great. And, um, you know, we're one of our big things is being part of the communities that we serve. So um, we'll be at the Blues on the Bridge coming up. We're doing the Luma Arts Festival. We were at the Speedy Fest and the Dicks Open, uh, the Dicks a couple weeks ago. And so, um, yeah, we love, we love being in Binghamton, and it's been fun to see the company continue to grow in Binghamton. So when you were growing up in Binghamton and living on the west side, playing tennis and looking ahead to your future, what were you planning to do when, when say, you were at, at Seton Catholic Central? What what career path were you looking forward to? At the time, well, I was um, I went off to St. Bonaventure, not too far down the road from there. And, um, you know, like a lot of kids, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do when I grew up. The internet was not, uh, had not been invented yet. I don't think it was until 1995 that we started learning about that when I was already at Rochester Telephone um, at the time. But, you know, one of the things, I, I guess the closest thing to a future career was was fiddling around with all my uh, aunts and uncles VCRs to get them set up and to make the, stock, the clock stop blinking on the front. So that was about uh, as, as good of a technology uh, preview as, as I might have had at the time. Yeah, I, I remember those VCRs, and oh, we, we thought they were great. Little, little did we know 
where we would be uh, adding, say, in 20, 30, 40 years, the, the technological strides for uh, video sharing and then ultimately, of course, with high-speed Internet. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, tell me at, at what point, uh, about a decade ago, uh, you got this idea to form your own company. How was Greenlight Networks founded? Um, some of it was simply out of necessity. I think when we saw that, you know, it, from a career perspective, opportunities were dwindling in upstate New York as, as the larger companies like the Verizons and the Frontiers and the Time Warner Cables were moving a lot of their executive offices out of the region and into other regional places or or corporate places like Connecticut or or places like that, you know, and, and talking with my family and my kids were younger at the time, we decided that, you know, we really didn't want to move. This was home. And um, and we took a shot at, at starting this business. I had a friend that I had been speaking with over a few years who was building uh, some apartment complexes, and he really wanted to differentiate his apartments and, and the experience of the residents from other places and was a believer in high-speed internet, and I had been talking to him about using fiber optics in his building, and he gave us the opportunity to get started back in 2011, and um, and from then, it was several years of kind of testing and perfecting how we not only deployed the networks, but how we go ahead and market to our customers. And then in 2018, uh, Tom Galasano, who is the founder of Paychex, and his done unbelievable things from a philanthropic standpoint across upstate New York, uh, came in as my partner. And, you know, since 2018, we've expanded quite a bit, and not only here in Rochester, but in Buffalo. Uh, we, we acquired a company called Plexicom in Binghamton to give us a jump start there and kept all their employees on board. And now we're also, we've started uh, construction in our near completion in the Clifton Park area around Albany. So it's been, um, you know, the, the last four four plus years or so, we've really, really taken off and, and we've gone from about 18 employees then up to uh, approaching 200 now. So we're, we're, our team's really proud of all that. And, you know, we're, we're focused in upstate New York where there simply weren't a whole lot of choices available from the cable company and the phone company. And, and we think we've been able to bring a better service to the communities that we're serving and, and people are voting with their feet and they're, they're coming and becoming Greenlight customers. And we're starting to see that wave now in Binghamton. It's 1023. We're speaking with Mark Murphy, the founder, CEO of Greenlight Networks based in Rochester. Do you remember the first time you accessed the internet and what that experience was like? I, I do. It was in a, uh, a training session up at a place called Nizernet in Syracuse, and that they were kind of an educational network at the time. And, and you could really only access, uh, un- at that time, universities were really the only places that had websites that you could go to, and, um, and you could stream you know, the, the college fight song. So, of course, Notre Dame was one of the first places that I searched, and I was able to play the Notre Dame fight song online, and that was that was a big deal at the time. Did you ever sign up for America Online? Remember when AOL discs were ubiquitous, and it seems that 
whether it was in a magazine or or by mail or wherever, everybody wound up with probably five, ten, or more AOL startup discs. Did you ever experience the beauty of that? Oh, certainly. And then I was part of deploying dial-up internet to a number of customers in in Rochester. And if we could give you, you know, fourteen point four k or twenty eight k, that was a that was lightning fast back then. And then then along came some other technologies, and now we're on fiber. And you know, it's we just had um, another with, with with some of the new streaming shows that are out there and the new um, Game of Thrones. Um, prequel that's out we're seeing again record bandwidth use because that's how people are getting their entertainment now is through streaming it's not through the ways that you and i might have done it growing up it's a brave new world and i I remember those uh those dial-up connections and just how excited i was when i would hear the the little beeps and finally the connection was made and you're right 14.4 what a miracle that felt like (laughs) and now now we've got the fastest internet in New York at two gigabits per second, and that's upstream and downstream. And and I think you know the nice thing now with with internet becoming more accessible to more people, and our and we're a long way from being where we'd like to be. I mean, it's people really can get not just their entertainment at home, but we saw through the pandemic that how important it is for people to learn, and whether it's our, our kids or whether it's adults, um, as well as to be able to have the independence of working at home. And I think. You know, one of the things that where we can help places like the Binghamtons and, and the other tier two, three, and four cities around upstate New York is by providing access so that folks can live where they want to live and, and still be able to connect anywhere in the world and run businesses out of their houses or their, or, or their own small businesses. And, and so this is, you know, this is today's economy and we're, we're happy to help, uh, grow it in places like Binghamton. How is it possible for a relatively new upstart company to be competing with Spectrum and other providers? How how does Greenlight Networks do it, not only with this speed, but also competing with with the big boys that have deep pockets? Um, I think where we start is we just have a better product. We've got a better network in terms of fiber optics, so we're not using technologies that were deployed back in the 70s or, or the early 1900s. We're, we're using state-of-the-art fiber optics to get directly into people's houses. So it starts with a better product with better value. And, you know, most recently we've, you know, it, it and as you would guess, this is not inexpensive to deploy. So um, Mr. Galasano came along and provided a whole lot of capital to us, and now we're partnered with a company out of New York uh, City called Oak Hill Capital Partners, who's committed to another $300 million for us to spend to continue to, to, to deploy around New York State. So I think we're using our size to our advantage, and we've got some great capital partners that can help really help our business plan come to fruition. At the moment here in the Binghamton market, the footprint, the availability will be limited. I, I'm sure there are some people listening who are saying, gee, I, I wish we could get Greenlight Network service now. And at, at this moment here in August 2022, service is not available everywhere. That's right. It's Today it's available in Binghamton, Johnson City, Owego, um, parts of 
Vestal, the Plexicom acquisition allowed us to expand our reach pretty quickly. Um, we'll be turning up, uh, we're in the process right now of, of turning up another 3,600 or so homes in Enwell, Binghamton, and Town of Union, and those are that's ongoing construction right now. We just turned up service to about 1,800 homes in Binghamton and Johnson City. Um, and then after, you know, as we get into the fourth quarter, we'll be adding another 5,000 homes. So by the end of the year, we're going to be approaching probably, you know, 10,000 additional homes from, from what we're servicing today on top of the 5,000 or so that we were able to acquire in the Plexicom acquisition. So, you know, we we if we have plans to continue to expand that construction over the next several years until we're able to serve the, the bulk of the population that wants to get our service. What's the biggest challenge the company faces? Uh, the biggest challenge, I would say, is 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 getting predictable access to the utility poles. So we, like other utilities, we share a lot of the um, utility poles used by NYSEG and Verizon, and there's a very lengthy regulatory process that we have to go to do that. Um, as, you, as folks listening may have noticed, there's been a whole lot of utility poles getting replaced in on, in the areas that we're serving so you know one of the upgrade one of the benefits to us coming there is we're up upgrading as well the power infrastructure and the electric infrastructure in those areas by putting all these new poles that can accommodate uh, not only us but other attachers to those poles but that process can take uh, a year and a half or two years depending on how cooperative the you know, current utility, how cooperative the cable company is and the phone company. And, you know, I think we've been working really well with NYSEG down there to expedite that process as much as possible. But it's a lot of coordination. It's it's highly regulated, and it's not fast. By that point about the, the new poles that have been put in place, especially this summer on Binghamton's west side and a few other areas around Broome County, I... Uh, I was wondering what kind of cooperation or collaboration there might be uh, among utilities as as that general upgrading was going on. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think our work with the electric company and ISEG there has been has been very good. It's just you know they're dealing with an aging infrastructure and and they're you know it that needed to get upgraded and unfortunately we're the ones that came along at that time and we're partnering with them as best we can to to make the process as efficient as possible but it uh it does take a while and safety safety is very important to everybody involved so we need to make sure that this is getting done in a safe way because uh, we really you know we're, we've got a great deal of concern about not only our own employees but the contractors that are also doing that work in an era of ongoing consolidation, do you anticipate Greenlight Networks is going to remain independent? That's our plan for now. Um, and I think, frankly, we're continuing to look for acquisition opportunities um, to help expand our footprint in other places. But, yeah, as it stands right now, I expect we'll, we'll maintain independence for the foreseeable future. Are you planning to go provide service anywhere beyond New York State? Absolutely. Absolutely. For for a whole lot of reasons. Um, I mean, one is there's a whole lot of demand across the, uh, across the Northeast in particular where we would be looking. But the other thing is, you know, with, with contract labor, it, it having shortages there, 
I think the the wider we, exp- I mean, we we can only go so fast in certain areas. So you know, we we can only build so fast in Binghamton and Albany and other places where we may have a nice diversification of contractors. But you know, the the more places we can go, the more contractors we have access to, and and it just it allows us to continue to to build as much as we can build in these places. If we could, you know, if we had enough labor to build all of Binghamton right now, we would love to be doing it. There just simply aren't that many uh, qualified people available to do the work. Do you anticipate then entering any markets in Pennsylvania anytime in the relatively near future? Uh, that's certainly um, a possibility. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the states we're looking in, into. If people want more information about Greenlight Networks, how can they get that? They go to greenlightnetworks.com, and right on there, there's a, a whole bunch of information. But the, the best thing they can do is they they sign up, and they'll be able to get updates on what's going on in their neighborhood. There's no commitment at that time, certainly. Um, but that's going to be where the construction schedule set up, along with we can notify them when we're going to be at certain events. So if people uh, aren't comfortable online and want to see a person in uh, face-to-face, those opportunities are available, and we've got an office there on Vestal Road uh, as well if, if folks want to stop by. Binghamton native Mark Murphy, the founder, president, and CEO of Greenlight Networks. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Bob. This was fun. Hope you have a great day. You too. It's 1033. We're live and local on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And streaming live at WNBF.com. News Radio. Pick up that telephone if you call 607-772-1290. WNBF with Bob Joseph. And indeed, hope you had a lovely weekend. We were talking about uh, the weekend activities and... There always is something to do around here. It uh, could be Porch Fest or Beach Bash or Speedy Fest or a golf tournament or baseball games, which reminds me the Rumble Ponies are back in Binghamton tomorrow. It seems as though they've been away for a while now, which, as it turns out, they have been away for a while now. But they are returning, and that is good. Hopefully we can get to a few games this week. I think the weather is going to cooperate, so that's a good thing. What else is going on around here? Oh, 
the parking garage. You know, many people come up to me and they say, Raj, what is the story about the uh, Boscov's parking garage? I, I thought that was um, going to be under construction by now. And I don't know. I don't know at this point when the construction will begin. I really don't know when the construction will end. I have this sense, though, that the parking garage is not going to be available for use by the start of the holiday shopping season. So I I hope the people at Boscov's are uh, okay with that because I don't I don't think they're going to have a parking garage for all the people doing their holiday shopping at this point because holiday shopping season begins, of course, in less than three months. So the clock is ticking, and we will see what happens with the parking garage. I went over there on Friday, and looking from above, I see... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Apparently, eleven holes. I don't know what that's about, but I guess they're like craters. Eleven craters on the site where the old parking garage was. So the guys from Gorick, all right, the personnel from Gorick Construction uh, did as they were hired to do they removed the old parking structure and i think they did it expeditiously of course it was not a it was not a quick process that was a big structure to remove but they did so if you look back i think they started the demolition about eight months ago i believe the demolition project began on december 27th so that was eight months ago and i think it took approximately six months to take down the 50-year-old parking structure, the one that was on the verge of collapsing. Was, let's face it, I don't, I don't need to go into specifics, just let's face it, uh, that Water Street parking garage, its glory days were long, long since past, so it, it definitely had to be removed. I'm sure it could have been fixed, but probably attempting to fix it to apply temporary repairs to the old parking garage i'm sure just didn't make any sense so they tore it down so now we await the construction of the all new parking structure and i received an email from mayor jared cram uh, he indicated in his email that he expects to be able to provide some more details on the Water Street development project sometime this week. So stay tuned. The details may be forthcoming at some point in the not-too-distant future. And then we'll know when the construction can start for the new garage, which is supposed to have 549 spaces and then... Later, after the parking garage is constructed, the plan calls for a five-story apartment complex on top of it. So stay tuned for more details. 607-772-1290 is our number, and we go to the phones. Good morning. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? 
Uh, my name is Ron. I'm come, calling from Binghamton, New York. All right. Ron, if I may call you that, what's on your mind this morning? Well, um, I uh, you're a reporter, and you know a lot about our city and our area. So I thought I'd check with you to see if a rumor that I've heard on the street could possibly be true. Uh, is there any truth to what I'm hearing that certain uh, law enforcement authorities may be planning to raid the mansion of former Mayor Rich David? Apparently, when he left office, he had top-secret plans about the Binghamton-Johnson City Joint Sewage Treatment Plants. Can there be any truth to that? I believe those rumors are 100% untrue. I believe there is nothing to suggest that Mayor Richard David took any any specific city documents regarding the fabulous sewage treatment plant or any other city projects. I, I believe that when Mayor David left office last December 31st, the only things that he took were his personal property and... Um, you know, maybe, maybe he took like one city envelope that said Mayor Richard C. David on it, probably knowing full well that would be a collector's item and it really couldn't be used by the, the incoming mayor unless they bought stickers. So he he possibly may, just as a personal memento for his eight years of service to this great city, he may have uh, taken a single envelope. I I don't even know that he did that, but I think if he did that, he would have been, you know, well within his rights to just take one. You know, I'd say at the end of eight years of service, I think that's that's the least the city could have given him. Yeah, well, I thought it was probably a wild rumor, but then I thought, remember back uh, when uh, the council person from the west side i am forgetting his name uh he surreptitiously was uh taking uh, videos inside that uh, plant uh, i knew that was a top secret installation so hey you know you never know i thought i'd check it out with you so thanks for yeah by the way i still find it uh hilarious that they were calling that a top secret installation you know, and in that I was not allowed as a reporter to take any pictures anywhere inside that place for my uh, long-awaited tour. And by the way, I'm still grateful that I got a full tour, both from uh, Binghamton Mayor David and Johnson City Mayor Demi, as well as the um, the people with the sewage treatment plant board and the contractors. I am grateful that they, I think, gave over an hour of their time to give me a a tour of the plant but i was very disappointed that nothing aside from the entrance way the entrance area where they were all gathered around it was it was stunning i thought maybe mayor david and maybe the plant superintendent would be there to give me a tour through the place and when i entered the place there were probably 20 or more people waiting for me i i felt a little embarrassed that all these people had gathered just to be there for for my tour of the facility but 
You know, it, it's still as a journalist, it was disappointing that there was not a single place inside that plant that I was authorized to take a, a picture. Well, all those people were there not for your guided tour, but of course to keep you out of certain. Absolutely, took they they know. Trust me, my reputation preceded me, and they they know. Not only was I going to ask a few questions, but I was probably like the time, for example. I think the statute of limitations now has has passed. Like the time I was at Ben and Jerry's in Waterbury, Vermont, and they were very explicit. They said. Uh, in no uncertain terms, and I think there was also a sign, so verbal admonishments as well as signs that warned no photography and no video. And, of course, you know what I did on the plant tour, photography and video, because that's just the way I am. Well, you're incorrigible. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're, yeah, a I'm a journalist. A journal- that's yeah. what journalists do. And, by the way, I never... I never put out any any confidential information that was harmful to uh, Ben and Jerry's or its corporate overlord, the Unilever conglomerate. I mean, you know, but I also, they certainly were well within their rights to try to restrict photography. I, I understand. But um, as far as the sewage treatment plant, honestly, I, I saw lots of things in the sewage treatment plant. It was fascinating to me. I thought it would have been really useful for the residents of Binghamton, Johnson City, and the other municipalities served by the plant if we could show them some of the things that are used to treat their crap. Well, sorry for, um, pardon my French. Yes. Um, Actually, Bob, seriously, as as we know, uh, if you have some nefarious, nasty people who wanted to upset important parts of the infrastructure, like your sewage treatment and your water, uh, you know, uh, the setup inside the sewage treatment plant is, is uh, in a certain sense, well, secret or top secret. So, uh, I Well, no, I can that. understand that they wanted some restrictions, but I, what I don't understand is there had to have been at least three or four spots. I mean, say, if I took a picture of sewage being treated, not, say, pictures of, you know, up-close, detailed pictures of the equipment or control systems, but, say, just generically, oh, pipes or something. Not, okay, this is where this big pipe of crap, again, excuse me, pardon my French, where this big pipe of effluent uh uh, enters the building and and then where it goes out into the river, all the detailed stuff. I can understand being somewhat careful with that. I mean, you've got uh, a very expensive and very important facility, so we would want want no one to cause harm to the plant. But I just couldn't believe there wasn't some place in there where I could have taken just uh, two or three innocuous pictures to to illustrate what a great facility we have. Well, Bob, I understand there is a place that's kind of a, a break room for employees, and they have a, a candy machine in there and, you know, coffee machine. You probably could have photographed or video of that. Probably no. No? No, probably not. It, it, I think they just had a general policy, and I don't think, I don't think the mayors or the plant superintendent or the members of the board were going to deviate from that, which eh, maybe 
maybe it's a good thing. On the other hand, when uh, that council member, Dan Livingston, took that video I and posted it on YouTube, I'm unaware that it actually caused any true harm. I mean, there was a, a big outcry from... Mr. Livingston's political opponents about what he did, but I'm unaware that it caused any actual harm to the operation or security of the plant, but who knows? I I mean, I do understand the point. I understand that our infrastructure, all of our infrastructure can be viewed as sensitive, so I, I understand the basic premise, but doesn't mean that the next time I go for a tour that I won't ask to take a picture of a couple of places that might be deemed harmless to plant security. 1052, John from Binghamton. Good morning. Hey, Bob. Uh, let's uh, look at what the Porch Festival proves. And what it proves is this, that you can have a big event and you can have absolute cleanliness within hours of the event being finished. Now, you compare the sections of the West Side where Porch Fest uh, yesterday was, where, uh, you know, as many as a 1,000 people were hearing a band, and food was served, and all kinds of good times were available. You compare that with the average Friday or Saturday night aftermath from downtown. I mean, there are still paper cups on front and main uh, from uh, three days ago, you know, our plastic cup. So, uh, you know, it's all how you run things, and it's all uh, the effort that you make. And I would suggest that the Binghamton University students uh, put together uh, some sort of trash crew, uh, you know, particularly the ones that don't imbibe, put some vests on with the Bearcat logo, and clean up uh, the, the, this terrible mess that goes any, everywhere from uh, front and main all the way down past the incubator. Uh, it, it's, it's unacceptable to me that Binghamton has turned into such a pig pen. Well, yeah. I, and by the way, I, as a person who spends... A lot of my uh, waking hours in downtown Binghamton, I have to admit, sometimes I'm disappointed to see uh, the aftermath of of fun of fun times for students. By the way, I was a student once, and I had fun times, so I, I'm not against fun times for students. Heck, I encourage students to have fun times and also spend their valuable money with local merchants, but... I, I too, sometimes am disappointed to see uh, the mess that remains. And I think, to your point, the, the suggestion you make, I think, is um, a, a very thoughtful suggestion for, well, for students. And I would think a lot of students actually would be inclined to uh, pitch in to help clean up the mess. I, I think they, most students I talk to, they, they actually love our community, and I think they would, uh, on a regular basis, help clean things up after weekend uh, fun and frolic. I mean, you would need about 100 trash cans, and there's very attractive trash cans uh, that are available. I, I, I don't understand this, and I think what it is is you have a uh, the so-called youngest mayor in the Binghamton's history, and he's got about 
uh, as low of en- energy as, uh, you know, an 80-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy, this guy is so low energy. I mean, he's got to exert himself to blink his eyes. Oh, I think that's rather harsh, gratuitous. Well, that's what he is. He's a slugabed for crying out loud. He's a what? He's a slugabed. Have no. you ever seen this guy? No. For a young guy? Are you kidding? Come on, man. Well, uh, anyway, uh, anyway, yeah, we, that's we, it. all right. Well, I appreciate the suggestion, but I, I agree that students, many of the students, would be willing to pitch in with some guidance. I'm Bob Joseph, Monday morning on WNBF. You wash your hair. Four five two two. Don't wait. Call now. 800-324-4522. 800-324-4522. It's Monday morning. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton. It's where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. We're looking at another hot day for today, unusual for this time of year. We're going to have temperatures reaching into possibly the 90-degree area, but with high humidity, that could also make it feel like it's more like the low 90s. Have a heat advisory in effect for Tompkins County beginning at noon today. And the National Weather Service is advising this last Monday of the meteorological summer is going to be a hot one with the temperatures in Binghamton around 90, but with the higher dew points, increasing the risk of heat-related illness. For people headed just outside of Syracuse for the New York State Fair, there's a heat advisory in effect for them as well from noon till 7 p.m., with their heat index values expected to be in the mid-90s. Residents are advised to limit time outdoors in the heat of day, take frequent breaks, and remain hydrated. The struggle to stay cool is going to be greater for people making the drive an hour north on Interstate 81 to enjoy the great New York State Fair this afternoon. The National Weather Service at Hancock Field says the feels like temperature could be five degrees hotter than Binghamton for areas like Syracuse, Ithaca, Watkins Glen, Rome, and Utica. Much of the fairground consists of paved surfaces, but visitors to the fair yesterday afternoon with the temperatures in the mid to upper 80s said they found it helpful to take frequent breaks in the many air-conditioned buildings on the grounds. Tomorrow, the weather concern turns to possible thunderstorms, especially in the afternoon through the early evening in the southern tier. Forecasters say a few of those thunderstorms could be severe with gusty winds and locally heavy rainfall. An Endicott man will be sentenced in November after pleading guilty in the shooting of a man in the chest with a compound bow earlier this year. Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak says 20-year-old Carson Vanko pleaded guilty last week to the violent felony of attempted assault in the July 26th attack that reportedly happened during the dispute at the abandoned Vestal Hills Country Club. The Broome County Sheriff's Office announced on July 26th they believed the site was being used by 23-year-old base so Vanavonksa of Binghamton is a site where he had stockpiled weapons and other property that authorities believed to have been stolen. Vanavonksa was also found to be in possession of around 24 grams of methamphetamine. In the original news release, the sheriff's office said they believe Vanko, 21-year-old Savannah Perry of Endicott, who was also charged, and Vanavonksa knew each other and that the two Endicott men conspired to ambush the Binghamton man and Vanko shot Vanavonksa in the chest. 
Vanko and Perry were each charged with felony assault and conspiracy. Vanavonksa is charged with weapon possession and criminal possession of a controlled substance. Vanko is expected to be sentenced to eight years in New York State prison, followed by five years post-release supervision. The news release from the district attorney's office did not update the status of the cases against Perry or Vanavonksa. A Syracuse man admits he broke into the Vestal Elks Lodge and stole an automatic teller machine almost a year ago. According to the office of Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak, 40-year-old Philip Jackson pleaded guilty in Broome County Court to felony burglary and will be sentenced in December. According to the news release from the DA, Jackson broke into the Vestal Elks Lodge on the Vestal Parkway West and stole the ATM containing $6,100 cash. Footage from the surveillance cameras were used to identify Jackson. Authorities say the Syracuse man had been arrested by the New York State Police in the Albany area on an unrelated charge. Korchak's office says Jackson will receive a sentence of two to four years in New York State Prison when he is scheduled to be sentenced in December. Reservations are being taken for the first evening meal of the Northern Broom Senior Center in two years. Northern Broom Cares, a program of the Rural Health Network of South Central New York, will serve the dinner August 30th from 4.30 until 6 p.m. According to the Rural Health Network, prior to the pandemic, the once-a-month dinners in Whitney Point served around 100 meals and served as a social outlet for northern Broome County residents for over two years. Tomorrow's dinner will feature catered pulled pork and potato salad from Steve's Backyard Barbecue in Whitney Point. There will also be live music. Reservations again required. Call Heather Bush at 607-692-3405. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly sunny today and a high near 90. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. And it's Monday morning. Bob Joseph, WMBF, taking calls at 607 607- 772 607-772-1290 if you would like to talk on the air. I don't have to leave anymore well, I have this right here Spend my nights and days before Searching the world for what's right here Underneath an unexplored Islands and cities I have looked well, good news. They uh, scrubbed the attempt at launching that moon rocket. I say it's actually great news. When I heard very early this morning, from the earliest moment that I woke up and was monitoring the situation down at Kennedy Space Center, with all the problems they were reporting, I thought, please, please, whoever's in charge of this, don't even think of launching today i'm no expert all i could think of is january 1986 and uh, the catastrophe with the challenger and somebody somewhere is going to say well we were pressured they really said they wanted the um, moon rocket to uh, launch today i'm thinking don't even don't even go there we don't need last thing this country needs right now 
And when I say this country, I mean President Joe Biden. The last thing he needs now is some sort of moon rocket catastrophe. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the political hay that would be made if there had been some sort of problem with the moon rocket? Oh, the launch was great, but then 70 seconds into it, did you see what happened? They had some sort of anomaly, and it's Brandon's fault. Am I right, people? They, even if Joe Biden has nothing at all to do with the moon rocket, they would be blaming him. Just the same way they're blaming him for falling gas prices. No matter what happens anywhere on the planet, it must be Brandon's fault. And now that he's become the dark Brandon and he's got a bunch of uh, wins under his belt, now they're going after him even more. So if even the slightest thing, maybe the moon rocket didn't actually blow up, but even any problems, even now, they're probably going to say, oh, well, it's you-know-who's fault that they couldn't launch today because of Brandon. This and that and the other thing. It's like, come on, man. You know, cut the guy some slack, man. He's just trying to help make America greater than it was over the last five years. I mean, I think I think we see that he's doing some amazing work, but it's tough sometimes when people seem to be constantly cutting him down. At least that's what I've been told by some people. That it's tough when they're cutting him down. If people would just do their best to show him a little bit more support and some respect, well, maybe, maybe he could accomplish more. He could probably accomplish more if people just tried to support him. But, you know, so many people... So I'm told. That's what <laughs> that's what some people have said. Anyway, so NASA has scrubbed the launch of the moon rocket. It will not be launched today. Too many problems. I say thank you, NASA. Whoever the mission director was, whoever actually made the decision, the no-go decision today, I say Thank you so much. America cannot deal with a space catastrophe here just a week before Labor Day. Look, all we want this week is for it to be quiet. We don't want any news. We don't want good news. We don't want bad news. We want no news at all because all we're doing now is winding down summer. We want to get through Labor Day and get the uh, kiddies back to school. Without masks, let them hold hands and sing Kumbaya or whatever it is they do in schools these days. Just let, let's get things, let's go into September with no problems. I don't want to hear any problems. I want to hear no news about anything this week, especially moon rockets blowing up. No news is good news. And you can see all those developments at WNBF.com 24-7. Dave from Vestal, good morning. Yeah, good morning there, Bob. 
Hey, you know, I was just listening to what you were saying. You know, respect is earned. Uh, are you trying to say he's earned one drop of respect since he's been office in office? No, not at all. He can't walk. He can't talk. He can't think. He can't ride a bike. He's totally worthless. So, by the way, what you are doing, you're denigrating people who have physical disabilities. So what you just said probably makes uh, a high percentage of WNBF listeners who may have difficulty ambulating, may have difficulty speaking at times, may have problems riding a bike or doing some basic things, you're probably making them feel really bad just based on what you said. Basic, basic things, yes. Thinking is a basic thing. and we- That has nothing to do with respect. Joe Biden deserves respect. He may be older than you. He may be older than me. Remember when we were growing up? We were advised to respect our elders. Okay. Okay, put it this way then. The job he's doing deserves absolutely no respect whatsoever. How's that sound? Is that better? That's your opinion. Okay, but is that better than what I said? Yeah, it's a lot better, because what you said initially was criticizing the guy for things over which he has no control. People, including some younger people, too, let's face it, some of these um, infirmities or frailties that that can visit us can happen even when we're at a a relatively young age, so... um, chronological years sometimes has nothing to do with the conditions you discussed but what you did was denigrate a great man from scranton no less for some of his physical characteristics and to me that that felt it felt very unfair you know, you amaze me sometimes how you say some things with a straight face. I know I can't see you, but I know your face is straight, but I know your fingers are crossed while you're saying it. Anyways, the next topic, Bob, dumb bashing Biden. Um, I got a question for you. Do you agree that cats should be able to roam the streets free? Do we have leash laws for dogs? Do you like the idea that cats can go wherever they want and do whatever they no, want? No, absolutely not. I'm glad you agree with me with that because I, I've had a, a terrible problem with the uh, with cats. Bob, they, they seem they they slither around the outside of my house and, and they seem to urinate in the same areas. And, and when I open my window, you want to let fresh air in the house. Uh, to me, there isn't a worse smell. I mean, I'd rather live next door to a sewage treatment plant than smell cat urine. It drives me crazy. It's just just to, and years ago I had indoor outdoor carpet on the the roof part of my deck and they were they were coming around urinating now i had to rip it up and then it's down into the wood just just a massive problem um i don't know i don't know what can be done what's your suggestion uh call the police 911 911 <laughs> police emergency call, I, years ago i got rid of them i didn't hurt them but I, I may have to start doing it again. It seems they like to come around, Bob. I don't know. I, I trapped them. I trapped them, and I took them out to the town of Maine. I didn't hurt them, but I got rid of them. Well, that sometimes it has to be done. By the way, I love cats. I love all animals, cats and dogs and ferrets and um, alligators. Did you see the one kid walking around with her uh, a little alligator down in Philadelphia? That was nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was nice. I, I think it's great. 
So I like, I I think, I wish more kids would have support, emotional support alligators. I would support that if if Binghamton School District would make a blanket announcement. Now that we've seen that video, I didn't know that some children uh, have emotional support alligators, but I would like to see the city school district affirm in a public statement that any students (laughs) who do utilize an emotional support alligator will be welcomed when schools reopen next week. <laughs> yeah, I could see that, Bob. Why not? That'd be a great story. What do you, 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 you shrug it off and think that it's not going to be a great story. We'd get so many clicks. It'd be the first school district in America that would say all students are entitled to an emotional support alligator. They could even start a program. Call up Ron DeSantis from Florida and have Ron DeSantis ship up uh, a thousand emotional support alligators to help our young students get through the new school year. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. uh, boy, I'd love to see that, Bob. That would be funny. Well, mm-hmm. that'd be a great story. That'd be a lot of clicks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Binghamton, New York, welcomes all students kindergarten all the way up to seniors in high school to bring not just one but sometimes if you need two emotional support alligators i mean say monday is a tough day so on mondays and tuesdays you can bring up to two emotional support alligators as long as they've been registered <laughs> hey speaking of the sand uh, the there what what's with hokel all over him recently what, what's that all about bob I don't know, but uh, he canceled out. He was supposed to show up uh, with Lee Zeldin at the $25,000 plate fundraiser, over, but he, uh, at the last minute, he refused to show up because of an unforeseen tragedy. So we, uh, we certainly extend our uh, best wishes to Governor DeSantis because of uh, a tragedy that prevented him from showing up at the Lee Zeldin $25,000 a plate fundraiser. I wonder what happened. I didn't hear. Here's something new that just came over. This is on on Twitter. What? Uh, DeSantis Insider, which means somebody who knows Governor DeSantis but doesn't want her name used because she'd probably get fired. So a reporter for NBC News quotes a DeSantis insider whose name is not mentioned. The governor, first lady, and family are all in good health. Because, again, that's something we were worried about when we heard he suddenly canceled from Lee Zeldin's fundraiser. There was concern Mm -hmm. that maybe something happened with his family or close his inner circle. According to this, the insider, whose name is not mentioned, the governor, first lady, and family are all in good health. There's no family tragedy here. There's a scheduling conflict. We are looking for a date to reschedule the event. So I just thought that, that was a, a strange way of saying that he couldn't make it. Why didn't they just announce he had a scheduling conflict, but instead they said that it was a... Um, they say it had something to do with a special agent who died in the line of duty, like a Florida law enforcement person. That's what that's what the story that they're putting out now, but according to an insider, it was more of a scheduling conflict. But anyway, anyway, whatever. We wish, of course, all of us, especially me, I wish Governor DeSantis the best because I think he is the Republicans' best hope for 2024. 
Boy, I wish our state was in the shape Florida's in. He's he's done a real good job down there. Though. You know what I mean, we should I, ask? We should ask uh, Governor DeSantis if he would be like Governor Abbott if DeSantis would sh- ship some Florida men here on buses, you know, from <laughs> from Miami and Orlando and Tallahassee. You know, ship up about 100 Florida guys up to Binghamton so we could have more news. Can you imagine if we had an influx of Florida guys who would live here in downtown Binghamton? We, we would have so much news, we'd have to hire more reporters. And they could bring a baby alligator with them. Yes. Every Florida guy on the bus <laughs> should bring, like, a, a two or three baby alligators. So soon, Binghamton would be the alligator capital of upstate New York. And, and okay. students everywhere would be entitled to a free emotional support alligator as long as supplies lasted. Some restrictions may apply. <laughs> okay. Hey, Bob, good talking to you. Have a good one. <laughs> I was going to say, we're really off to a rip-roaring start here, aren't we? <laughs> if this is the way the week is going to go, as they say, heaven help us. It's 11.24. <laughs> emotional support alligator. Well, you know, he said it on the radio, so somebody with the school board is probably already looking into it. Oh, I wish that guy would not say that stuff on the radio, because now we're going to have parents asking for permission to send little Bobby with his emotional support alligator (laughs) over to Woodrow Wilson. (laughs) Please, I want... To bring my alligator. His name is Iggy. Iggy Pop. Jim from Endwell, good morning. Good morning. I'm a little bit older than you, but um, as I'm sure you remember, in Nan- a Nanacoke, uh, corner of Nanacoke and Main Street, there used to be a very nice pet store, Safari Pets. I remember it well. And I believe it was probably my ninth or tenth birthday, my brother got me an alligator for my birthday. And we had him for quite a while, um, and it was a great pet. And I'd feed him night walkers, and he would, you'd put him on his back, and you'd pet his stomach, and would, like, put him into a trance. <laughs> what was his name? You know what? I don't think I ever named the alligator. You should have called him Iggy, Iggy Pop. Yeah, there you go. And, I mean, back then, I don't know if, well, obviously you remember Safari, but they had everything, and... Growing up in the 60s, we had everything from rabbits, chickens, guinea pigs, iguanas, alligators, horned toads. I mean, you could go in there and buy almost anything. We got a skunk. We got a skunk. Ah. I remember they used to have those little squirrel monkeys, and oh, I wanted one of those monkeys so bad, but never <laughs> did get a monkey. I rem- oh, that was but a great know- store. It was. There was two or three of them in the area. I know there was one in Binghamton as well. I think they may have had one in Johnson City. Johnson City, yeah, right on Main Street. So how how big did your pet alligator get? About about how long and about how many pounds do you think your your pet alligator wound up? It probably got to about two and a half, three feet. And we kept him in the basement most of the time. I had a big aquarium set up for him. And um, actually, he came to a kind of a sad death. Um, we went to a picnic on a Sunday, like we did every week back then. And I'd keep him outside in the summer, like in a big aquarium thing. And our neighbor had come over to visit the alligator. 
and evidently she thought it was like a fish. So she filled up his aquarium with water, and we got home, and the poor little guy had drowned. He's like, must have been trying to tread water for however long we were gone, and finally he drowned. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm, I'm sorry yeah. that's the way it ended, but thank you for sharing yeah. that. And, of course, being a 10-year-old boy or whatever, my father and I skinned him out and salted him and kept his, kept his hide. Oh, I thought you were going to say... Yeah, you you cut him up and then took him to the the Speedy Fest uh, uh, recipe competition. I did have alligator sausage at Disney World once. Tastes like chicken. Yeah, it tastes like uh, alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I I did have alligator meat once, and you're right, it tastes very much like alligator. So, did you live close to Safari Pets? No, I grew up on the north side of Endicott. Oh, okay. All right. Well, appreciate your uh, calling in. That that was one of the nice uh, little shops. There were plenty of nice shops back in the day in the Union District. Yeah. Yes, there was between Washington Ave and Union. Different world. So. Yeah. All right, Bob. Well, Thank you. Have a good morning. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate the call. Eleven twenty-eight. Vinny from Binghamton advising. I had better fasten my seatbelt. Yeah, Bob, I, I wanted to talk about, you know, this, just another thing. I, I don't know why this even hit me, but um, this is just another thing of our society and giving, um, giving these stages to everything that's wrong. Um, Annie has a new show coming out. It's called Fasten Your Seatbelt. And hopefully this, it doesn't last long. But what this show does is it... It almost glamorizes, or you try to get some humorous, of what goes on in our airports. Grown-ups yelling, screaming, being rude to each other, flights getting canceled, planes getting turned back around. People, I mean, like 99% of the, of the people that get on a plane are fine, except for you get this one jerk that wants to hold everything up. And this, and this is a show that's about to come out. I think it's on right now. I think it started in July. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. They're apparently up to episode eight. This is how the show is described on the company website. Fasten Your Seatbelt tells the true stories behind the most incredible moments from airports and flights. Air travel is a universal experience that often elicits a powder keg of emotions. Whether it's caught on surveillance cameras or by cell phones of fellow passengers, the host will take viewers through moments that range from unbelievably shocking to humorous and heartwarming. Now, after 9-11, we didn't act like that. Nobody acted like that after 9-11 because we saw the seriousness of what happened. And now here we are in 2022, grown-ups acting like fools at an airport. And it's like, what is going on with people? Why are you going to give stages to these, these people? And you've got all these lunatics. So now what's going to happen? You're going to see this probably just start to spread unless the show's canceled or we just don't even watch it because it's garbage. But this is more and more, and we talk about all the youth and, and video games and, and, and violence and all this. This is part of it, too. These are all grown-ups. There's no kids on the show. These are all grown-ups. And the young people see us acting like fools at an airport. And, 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 and I guess this is another piece of the puzzle of our society, of what's going on. There's so much crap out there. 
And, boy, I'll tell you, hold your kids tight. I've got two of my own. Hold them tight. Talk to them every day because, man, the nonsense that is out there, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, I don't watch much TV. I never heard of this. I'm glad you mentioned it in case it comes up during small talk at a party. At least now I'll know what what's being referenced. I, I find the whole premise to be um, disturbing at best. Even talk, it's not even about freedom of speech or any, it's not even political. This is about society. Really? You want to do a show on, on, on yelling and screaming and rudeness at an airport? This is the way the terrorists came through. They came through the airport and they got through. Yeah, it's um, based on what you mentioned and what I'm reading online. It's. Um, it's troubling, but not surprising. When you look at, at the type of shows that we've been treated to, I'll, I would say since there was a, a so-called reality show, it was one of the worst shows based on the promos I saw. It was uh, The Apprentice. I s- never saw the show, but I remember seeing promos for it on the great NBC television network, and they had this blowhard who was apparently the star of the show, and the whole premise of the show seemed to be just truly embarrassing. And I thought, whoever green-lighted that program for NBC TV Network should have been fired. <laughs> I mean, since then, it's... You know what I say, Vinny? I'm saying we are witnessing right now in this country with so-called entertainment like that, we're witnessing the race to the bottom. It, it is. It really is. It's just, I'm like, you, I, I just can't be the, the after effects. And I, I keep thinking of 9-11 and how right after 9-11, we were so, hey, we're okay, we'll stand in line, we'll take our shoes off, we'll do this. Um, you know, and, and since then, we've had things where you can go, like, what, with the TSA, you can go get there so you don't have to stand in line and take off your shoes. You know, there's, and then when they come out with this nonsense, oh, let's show all the jerks in an airport. The ones that hold everything up, the ones that are screaming. I've got my grandchildren here, and this person is yelling at the at the line about their ticket, and I'm trying to explain. To, I mean, this is the not, and this is what I'm saying. The young are watching us. It's a shame. It's a real shame. I appreciate your calling that to my attention, so I can call my cable company and ask them to take the necessary action. Eleven thirty four on WNBF. Kathy from Endicott. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. And I've had such wonderful experience. I I just went to Colorado, uh, flew from Syracuse straight out, flew from Denver straight back, and there was none of that. I did not see anybody screaming or yelling, uh, acting obnoxious. Uh, As a matter of fact, people were just very, very nice. I um, had a backpack that I had to put up above. The gentleman said, can I help you with that? Yes, thank you very much. I, you know, people letting other people go ahead of them to get. I, I, I just, you know, Vinny. I, I, I'm beginning to wonder about Vinny. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. I, I've never had that experience. Well, what he was pointing out is they made a TV show out of the aberrations. Vinny was not encouraging it. Vinny was calling attention to the fact that some uh, apparently quick buck. Artists sold this show to a cable company, and and they're passing that off as entertainment. Vinny was not recommending it; he was condemning it. 
No, no, I know he wasn't recommending it, but what I'm saying is that my experience at the airports have been very, very positive. So, well, same you know, here. Maybe I'm just lucky. I no, don't know. No, I think I think the vast majority of experiences that people have at airports are the, the as you describe. I think this this show. Let's say so this is a big country, so and and thousands of people fly every day. So inevitably, somebody is going to, especially now that we all have phones, somebody will uh, capture on video someone having a bad moment in an airport. But that is that's a that's a rarity compared to what what some people might think based on this type of program. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just, it's a shame that, you know, things like that are even let on TV. Well, any of those programs that supposedly are showing real people, like Housewives of Here, Housewives of Here, <laughs> first of all, they're not housewives. Right. <laughs> yeah, we we know exactly what they're but, up to, and it's, yeah, eh, and it's you know. garbage. And, uh, you know, it's, and they just keep putting on more and more and more garbage shows like that that really, they are not reality they call them reality shows. They are not reality. And I feel badly for the people who are watching that and actually think, wow, that's how life really is? Yeah, no. No. <laughs> you know, exactly. Kathy, thank you for your call. Thanks a lot. Yep. Bye-bye. It's good to hear voices of reason. That's what this program is about. We bring you voices of the reason so you can realize what you might see on TV or hear on other talk shows. That's not the real America. This is the real America. I'm Bob Joseph, the host of Real America on WNBF and WNBF.com. You wash your... Bob Joseph with you on a Monday morning... Good morning. Hope it's off to a good start. 607-772-1290 is our number if you'd like to talk on the air. Come to decide that the things that I tried were in my life just to get high on. When I sit alone, come get a little known, but I need more than myself this time. Step from the road to the sea to the sky, and I do believe that we rely on. When I lay it on, come get to play it on. Margaret in Owego. Good morning. Good morning. I talked to you yesterday about a book. Yes. I found it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I uh, I actually uh, forgot to uh, follow up on our conversation because I was going to try to um, discern who the author of the book was. But uh, in the meantime, I'm glad you located the book. Tell me the, the author and the oh, name my. of the book. The author is Ben... U-T-E-C-H-T. He was Super Bowl champion tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. The Mm. name of the book is Counting the Days Slips Away, A Love Letter to My Family. And it says, in this book, Ben doesn't allow injury setbacks and disappointments to define him. His faith and love for his family provide perspective in the midst of challenging circumstances. All right, and for our listeners not familiar, tell us about the the subject of this this book. This is a a topic we've discussed several times on this program. A very important topic. Well, Ben had multiple concussions which affected his brain, 
to the point where he had to quit football, which had been his lifelong dream, whatever. And he talks about from when he was young to when he got to the point that he realized he had to quit football because of the brain injuries. It's kind of scary. Well, it is. <laughs> It is, and we we talked for a few minutes yesterday about about uh, how, how much people need to learn about this, and the fact that certainly Ron from Binghamton has been foremost in discussing the issue about traumatic brain injury, especially among young people who play uh, football, and and clearly it. The, the problems associated with uh, these head injuries are not isolated to people of a certain age. Even this former Indianapolis Colts tight end wound up having very serious problems after his football career was over. And he's still slowly losing his mind. Wow. Wow. I just punched up a, a story in the... Uh, Indy Star newspaper, Indianapolis Star, they did a story back in 2014, and uh, it mentions that uh, he, he had just um, signed a deal for this book. And, um, yeah, he was 34 at the time. It says he won a Super Bowl with the Colts in the 2006 season. He told the Indy Star a few months earlier that each day he struggles a bit more. He struggles to remember simple things, and his words are slower to come out. That's scary. Right. The uh, book was published in August 2016. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad you located the book. I guess what that means is the next time I see you, you'll probably be able to loan me the book, and I'll be able to take a closer look at, at what Ben wrote. I will be happy to, and I hope Ron was listening, and maybe he can get hold of a copy of the book. I think he would be very interested. Well, Margaret, thank you so much. I, I appreciate your following up, and uh, I look forward to, uh, at some point in the not-too-distant future, being able to read that book. Okay. See you at church. All right. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. It's 11.43 at News Radio WNBF, WNBF.com. And indeed, that's one of the issues that we've talked about on many occasions over the last few years on the program. The uh, story, and again, this is the first news story that popped up when I did a search about the NFL player Ben Utech. Not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It said, since retiring from the NFL in 2009 after multiple concussions... He has been a relentless advocate for players suffering from head trauma. He became a spokesman for the American Academy of Neurology and testified before Congress about concussion issues. So that's a serious, very serious issue. The reality in this country is it's not being taken seriously. I don't know that head injuries will ever be taken seriously if they involve athletes, even high school football players, and certainly NFL players. The NFL is too important. The money that is brought in by the NFL operation is way too important for, I think, many Americans to be worried about the long-term consequences. 
for the talented players who entertain us. It's 11.45 on News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. WNBF taking calls at 607-772-1290. Also, email. Send your email. Spelling counts. Bob at WNBF.com. Some emails inevitably may be read on the air. Now to Binghamton and Matt from Binghamton, the former mayor, Matthew T. Ryan. T stands for telephone. Uh, How are you doing? Good. I was just... um remember in one of the earlier calls that the guy was making fun of Joe Biden couldn't speak and Joe Biden couldn't walk. You know, first of all, I don't know. You can punch anybody who doesn't probably listen to any news except the certain news or certain Newsmax or Fox probably would never have seen this because they wouldn't play it. But, you know, if you look at, um, you know, the, the former president's, uh, when he's trying to explain something about the origins of something and he keeps saying oranges and he can't, he does it like four or five times. I forget what the actual content was, but then when he was doing his outtakes the day after September 6th on September 7th, if you go back, I don't know if you've seen those outtake tapes of when he was forced to, uh, by all his aides, you got to put something out or you this is going to kill you. Uh, everything that happened yesterday and he, he couldn't say, uh, oh, yes, he's saying yesterday is a hard word for me. He couldn't say the word yesterday. So, you know, Joe Biden, we know, works out every day. He, uh, he's very, uh, you know, for somebody his age, he's very uh, vital. And if you watch a few things, I mean, like I said, you can pick, pick and choose, but I've seen Donald Trump uh, barely be able to walk down a, a, a runway near an airplane well, I, I think the whole thing, I mean, uh, the the point you're making, and unfortunately a fair number of people, when Donald Trump was president, took some glee at seeing videos sometimes when he appeared to have some troubles and, and would put those videos on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And, and unfortunately people, you know, got some sort of perverse satisfaction in seeing those. The bottom line is it's really not appropriate, even – even with the acknowledgement that Donald Trump um, more than once uh, treated people with disabilities poorly, that still doesn't justify anyone um, to, to use anyone else's infirmity, whether it's uh, a, mispronouncing a word. I mean, we all have trouble with certain words, and sometimes, let's face it, nobody is getting any younger. So if you take an isolated thing... Of, of somebody misspeaking, and then you play it over and over again, it, it certainly can be used to your amusement, but it, I don't think it should be done. 
I, I know you can't stop it. We can't legislate that sort of thing off Twitter. But I think people also, I mean, both people who didn't like Donald Trump and people who don't like uh, Joe Biden ought to, ought to treat these people better. I mean, focus on their policies and less on, on uh, things they've, if they've had physical problems or, or issues speaking. I mean, that's, a, to me, that's low-hanging fruit. And I don't really think there's, there's any, anything that's funny about it. That's exactly my point. Right. You made it very well. I said, basically, uh, let's, let's talk about what they did or didn't do. And let's just give one example. Could you imagine what it would be like if, Donald Trump was president and, and Russia great, um, had invaded Ukraine and how NATO, what NATO would be like now, what uh, instead of all of Europe coming together against Putin, we would have, uh, I would suggest, an unmitigated nightmare. So let's talk about policies, not about people's foibles or you know, mistakes they make and how they speak or whatever. Yeah, let's try to do that. I know it's impossible to to stop all of that, but let's strive to do less of that. I think that's to everyone's advantage because we all make mistakes. As I say, each of us has, regardless of age, each of us has a potential to misspeak and to say something or even do something that if it's replayed over and over again and sometimes taken out of context, it can be embarrassing and yet, to be fair, somewhat amusing. But that's not really what we should be about. We should try to be better than that. We should try. 11.53, Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. You wash your... Eleven fifty-five from WNBF, WNBF.com. Just thumbing through a couple of recent editions of the Rocket Courier from Wyalusing. It's amazing, amazing paper, small town with lots and lots and lots of news. I don't know how they manage every week to publish a newspaper with so much news. Here's uh, the most recent edition of Rocket Courier from Wyalusing. It's 26 pages. 26 pages. Big, bulky pages. Dollar seventy-five. Sheriff's deputy charged with misusing funds. Um, full slate of entertainment at the Music Fest. Story about a um, French exchange student in town. And a new treatment initiative for Wyoming County. Those are just... A few of the stories, local stories, on the front page of the amazing Rocket Courier newspaper from Wyalusing. And I'm looking at a, another uh, epi- or another edition. Financials may reveal more on the closure of a local hospital. A car show will benefit homeless veterans. And... Uh, fire destroys uh, a residence, and one person life lighted after a crash. Those are all local stories on a small newspaper in a place called Wyalusing, Pennsylvania. Isn't it amazing what they do? It's 1157. Bob Joseph with you Monday morning.
on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming live at WNBF.com. Mission accomplished, of course it was. I'm Bob Joseph. Thanks for being with us this morning. Join us again tomorrow morning for another exciting episode right here on News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.